0: Volume One, Chapter Twenty of *Mrs. Armitage* or *Female Domination* by Mrs. Gore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Helen Taylor. Chapter Twenty. Was it kind to leave me like a turtle here alone to droop and mourn the absence of my mate, when thou art from me? Every place is desert, and I methinks am savage and forlorn otway to the greta family arthur Armitage certainly did devote the whole of his leisure the house of jack baltimore it was impossible for him to enter without disgust noisy as it was dirty disorderly and necessitous fit home for a man who his whole life long had devoted himself to a horse and poignant was his regret that the nearest relatives of his wife should be so degraded in the eyes of society so unattractive in his own his father's nearest relative lord Armitage, occupied a post in the administration and arthur kept sedulously aloof lest he might be supposed to court his lordship's patronage but at lord rotherham's where he was welcomed like the Piccolomini to the hearth of wallenstein as the kind des hauses where he found his earliest friends and playmates friendly and lively as ever and principles and habits congenial with his own he was glad to take refuge from the solitary publicity of a london hotel the earl bade him remember as he had been wont to do in his holidays and vacations that there was always a place for him at his table and arthur who had always reverenced lord rotherham as his father's most intimate friend the afflicted witness of his untimely end felt no scruple in accepting the hospitality thus cordially tendered by his yorkshire neighbour it was so easy too to walk home from the house arm in arm with his friend greta straight to st james's place and lady rotherham was so glad to see and welcome a guest who knew her ten children name by name and which of them had been run away with by his pony and which had so narrowly escaped drowning in the reservoir and whom one and all called arthur and romped with as a brother even lady laura though somewhat haughty and reserved with casual visitors had her old standing jokes and friendly words of mutual understanding with him so that after a fortnight passed in london a particular chair came to be apportioned as that of arthur Armitage at lord rotherham's table and a particular corner of a particular sofa in lady rotherham's drawing-room To bear his name, his worthy host and hostess considered that they were doing not only what was kind, but what was right in affording to the son of their old friend, placed in such a position as Arthur, a resource against the temptations of idleness and dissipation. They left him no excuse for wasting his time and his money in barrack-rooms or clubs, and in such a mode of life it must be owned that there was something peculiarly agreeable. To Arthur. He liked the stir of a large family combined with the regularity of an orderly one. He liked the bonhomie of the Greta tribe, their cheerfulness, their cordiality. The whole thing came refreshingly to him after a prolonged residence at Paris, where if he had found much to amuse, he had seen little to approve. But now he was once more among people of his own caste and kind, he was very happy perfectly happy too happy perhaps considering that in the first year of his marriage he was for the first time separated from his wife marian's letters however arrived as regularly as the post to remind him that if he was enjoying himself she was sad and a sufferer she complained of the dullness of the time which was passing for him so pleasantly entreating him however and with perfect sincerity of heart not to apply himself too severely to the duties of his new vocation not to give up his thoughts too exclusively to politics to seek the relaxation so indispensable for his health to avoid the anxious fears for herself which she knew must be pressing on his mind arthur's heart almost reproached him with duplicity while he was perusing these affectionate and candid outpourings of marian's feelings yet he had done no wrong had no conjugal backslidings with which to reproach himself and to have volunteered to his wife a self-accusation of finding himself too prone to bachelor enjoyments and too happy in her absence would have been at once an injury and an insult he profited therefore by her often repeated exhortations to amuse himself during the intervals of his parliamentary duties dining with the rotherhams lounging in the park with greta or dancing at Almack's with lady laura whenever they were at the trouble of procuring him a subscription june with its thorns and its roses its strawberries and its villa dejeuner had already begun and though arthur was not heartless enough to purpose prolonging his sojourn in town one hour beyond the necessities of the case yet he did sometimes almost regret that the days passed so quickly that the hours were of imperceptible duration the fault might in some measure lie with his mother the atmosphere of holywell was so apt to be a stormy one too stormy for a man of arthur's indolent complexion and cheerful temper he dreaded the tracasserie of the place the testiness of the old servants the dependence to which he found himself reduced grillan's hotel wanted he flattered himself that such was his conviction only marian's presence to be a perfect paradise for with all the duplicity of this wicked world few of us succeed in deceiving others so completely as we succeed without effort in deceiving ourselves one person meanwhile was keenly alive to the moral dangers of arthur's position the clear-sighted sophia felt that in marian's place she should be less satisfied than marian with the tenor of Arthur's correspondence, and was beginning to count the days to the expected close of the session, almost as eagerly as her sister-in-law. She was better acquainted with the versatility of Arthur's disposition, with his former familiarity in the Greta family, and the expectations to which it had given rise. She even thought her friend, Lady Laura, wrong. Innocently and unconsciously wrong, for continuing to dance with her brother more particularly when the fact had been pointed out to her notice in one of mr wemmersley's morning visits by an observation of so i see by the morning post that our new member is taking his wednesday's privilege of relaxation and keeping up his loves and friendships of old times i really do not understand you said sophia dreading that marian who was going through a course of fashions with mrs wemmersley should overhear the insinuation don't you have you not observed that his pairing off with lady laura greta in the almac quadrilles is regularly announced very likely the last time i was in town i saw my own name coupled among the waltzers with that of the duke of wetherby i who never waltzed in my life and never had the slightest acquaintance with the Duke. And your brother, of course, has not the slightest acquaintance with Lady Laura, persisted Wemmersley, laughing significantly. On the contrary, they have been friends since childhood, and I fancy it is only on the score of such very old acquaintanceship that a married man has a right to intrude on a young lady as a partner. I thank you for the hint, he replied, and Sophia was rejoiced that at any cost she had succeeded in diverting him from his object. I now understand why you received me so very coolly last year, when you accompanied the Rotherhams to the Doncaster Race Ball, and you shall find, at the ball, which I conclude our new member means to give us, at his return, on his return, that I have profited by the lesson. Trust me, I will not again interfere with Lord Greta's better pretensions. Sophia would have given a great deal to ascertain after the departure of the Wemmersleys, how much of this commentary on Arthur's conduct had reached the ears of her sister-in-law. But she could not hazard a direct inquiry, and Marian's simplicity of mind was exactly calculated to defeat any other mode of attack. The moment she detected anyone trying to discover her sentiments, she made twice as ample a declaration as the occasion needed often avowing much more than the manoeuvrer was bent on ascertaining miss armytage was almost afraid of learning not only that arthur's wife had overheard all but to what extent that all affected her feelings and was likely to influence her conduct she noticed however that marian that evening looked paler and sadder than usual and on her retiring to rest ventured to observe to her mother that mrs arthur's strength and spirits were manifestly declining but mrs armytage whose thoughts were engrossed by the splendid nursery furniture and nursery suits she had that morning received from town for the use of the little heir of holywell and purposed presenting on the morrow to her daughter-in-law attributed her languor to the approach of the event so anxiously anticipated by the family the morrow came the gifts courteously offered and accepted scarcely seemed for a moment to occupy the attention of the listless marian old mrs macklin who had presided over the birth of arthur and sophia and ever since formed a sort of fixture among the green and ever springing olive branches at greta castle was somewhat scandalised to see the young lady to whom she was now about to devote her services so insensible to the beauty of the valencian cockades and the fineness of the cambric robing, and felt persuaded that Mrs. Armitage must be indignant at the ingratitude of her daughter-in-law. But she was mistaken. Mrs. Armitage liked Marian the better for her indifference to such things. She began to hope that her mind was less vulgar and trivial than she had imagined. Time wore on; the days, long and midsummerish as they were, passed away. All the papers agreed in announcing the prorogation of Parliament for the 21st, and on the 23rd, Arthur would be at Holywell. Still, Marian's depression was not diminished, nor Sophia's anxiety. The Duchess of Spalding, who on her annual journey northwards was in the habit of dignifying Mill Hill by making it her sleeping inn, took the opportunity of paying a morning visit to Mrs. Armitage, on her progress home the following day apparently for the purpose of announcing her regret that arthur's family engagements with the rotherhams had prevented her the happiness of catching a glimpse of him in town and when mrs Armitage dryly replied that it gave her unfeigned pleasure to hear of her son being engrossed by such satisfactory connections the duchess had no readier means of revenge than by redoubling her attentions to the sad and silent marian and assuring her that mr Armitage had in some degree made the amende honourable by promising that the first visit made by himself and his wife on her recovery should be to Spaulding court marian smiled and bowed her ready acceptance it was a solace to her to think that her first visit was not already pledged to greta castle but the information afforded by the gossiping duchess and incidentally confirmed in lady honoria's chit-chat with miss Armitage, that arthur was the gayest of the gay the most bachelor like of bachelor husbands did not prepare the family to receive with patience his announcement that very particular engagements in town would prevent his being at home till the twenty fifth when lord greta had promised him a place in his carriage why not come on his own exclaimed his proud mother why not come in the mail exclaimed the impatient marian why not come at once thought even the forbearing sophia but they had no leisure for much thinking or saying on the subject in the course of the day mrs macklin announced marian to be seriously ill and mrs Armitage again began to tremble at the prognostications which threatened a triumph to reginald maudsley the old nurse eager to enhance the merits of her services hinted that children born under such circumstances seldom survived even the doctors seemed discouraged an express was hastily dispatched for arthur and from the bell-ringers to the park-keepers and their bonfire all was anxiety and suspense at holywell end of chapter nineteen end of volume one